Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it impacts our lives. I'm Amber Barrett, and joining me today are Vanessa Hawkins and her good friend, Sue Harris. Vanessa, take a minute and introduce Sue to us. Wow, I am excited about this episode. One of my uh, fellow women's director buddies, Sue Harris, is here from Oak Mountain Press, Birmingham. Sue, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited. Okay. And so I'm just so excited to have Sue here. And instead of me telling everyone about you, let's learn a little bit about you through our first things first question. What was the first sport um, that you loved? Yeah. Great question. I, so I was a tomboy growing up, big brother and all of that, um, that I had grew up in New Jersey. Um, and our house was uh, placed next to a side street. And if you're in Jersey, you know what that means. That's like the house where all the sports go. Um, <laughs> we played everything on that side street, hockey, football, everything. But there was some time, and I don't know who did this. Somebody just like drug a basketball hoop. And we had like a full court basketball hoop there for a little wow. while. Somebody got mad and I guess they moved it. But I remember playing and thinking, you know, I'm pretty good at this. You know, and compared to the to the boys, I, I was excellent at it. I enjoyed it. And I remember watching, if y'all remember, you don't, uh, Vanessa, you might, I don't know. But in uh, the early 80s, the first women's basketball game that I saw on TV was USC with Cheryl mm-hmm. Moore and mm-hmm. La Tech with Kim uh, Mulkey back in the day. And uh, was it Kim Mulkey? Anyway, I saw it on TV and I was like, I'll be honest, uh, I wasn't as sanctified as I am now, which is... <laughs> A barely a difference <laughs> now, but I was like, I might be able to get on TV if I play basketball. Truly, yeah. I thought that and I was outside on that side street playing up and down, and so yeah, I loved it. I, I love that it's a contact sport. I played elementary school, middle school, high school, and I played in college. Yeah, and you coached. I have indeed. I coached for fourteen years, college women's wow. basketball. I love it. I love yeah. it. And you ladies, you can't really tell this right now, but because Sue is sitting. Uh, and we are doing this over Squadcast today, but Sue is, she's actually pretty tall. So you would probably think she's a basketball player if you saw her. She has the, <laughs> the basketball player build. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, our podcast uh, ho- uh, producer is saying, well, how tall is she? I don't know, but she's I'm tall. About tall. I'm about six feet tall, but six I feet do tall. not hesitate to wear heels. So there are I days that. I look like I'm about six three or six four, and I don't mind that at all. I love it. I always love when we take pictures together. That's always great, right? Because <laughs> Sue is Sue's about six feet tall. And as you know, I'm five three. <laughs> so we're we're the odd couple, but I love her so. What yeah. about you, Amber? First sport that got your juices going. Okay, well, I grew up with a sister who's nine years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And my dad was very into sports. He coached co- college basketball he coached football he played football he did all these sorts of things so he made me into a tomboy (laughs) but I don't know that I was ever really that good I played some baseball I ran a little bit of track and then I decided I'm embarrassed to say this in Sue's presence Sue I decided I wanted to be a cheerleader yes (laughs) I did and my dad was so disappointed and um yeah I, I thought that that's what I wanted to do but now that I'm older I wish I had pursued something a little bit different but I loved basketball we were Indiana Hoosiers we okay. watched it religiously I understood the game uh, yeah. fairly well and now I have three boys and they play all sorts of sports and I love it because I love to watch sports so I thought yeah. now if I didn't enjoy sports 
this would be a hard road for me, but I love every bit of it. And my dad drives down from Indiana because he gets to see now what he never got to see with me. He comes to all their games, soccer, basketball, football, the whole nine yards. So yeah. every time. That yeah. is really cool. That is really cool. I didn't know mm -hmm. that we had the, the tomboyness in, in common because I was definitely a tomboy, but I could do the girly stuff too. Yeah. So um, I loved a good game of touch football. Okay. I, I did. I was a decent receiver. And so I, I liked the good game of touch football. I had a little speed. I could see that. Back then. Uh -huh. right. uh, a little shifty shifty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so a good game of touch football. But I was also a cheerleader. Okay, I didn't know that. I was right. a cheerleader. Let's the, do one right now. I was the co-captain girl. We'll do a pyramid after. I, I was the, the co-captain of the, the, the red squad. Ooh. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Look, I don't want to – I mean, the cheerleader, I'll be honest uh, – you got, I, I still can't do a cartwheel, all the flexibility, all the tumbling, all the things. I mean, that's a, that's a real, that's a real gift and a, and a real talent. So I'm not going to criticize that, but I, I do think one of my former players, when I was at Davidson, she said that she was a cheerleader and then she also played basketball. And there was one day she was playing basketball. And this is one of my kids that played on my team at Davidson. She said, you know, uh, coach Harris, I decided that I'd rather be cheered for than to yeah, cheer. Yeah. Nice. Uh -huh. it. So there might be a little pride in all of us. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Oh, no doubt. That is definitely a common thread. There, there is pride in all of us. So, Sue, you know, you and I both know that as, as ministry leaders, a lot of what you do is cheer people on, right? Yeah. You, yes. you do a lot of that. Um, yeah. and, and so what you guys are doing at Oak Mountain Prez is something that you've allowed um, First Prez to come and look at up close and personally. And we have just been fascinated with how the Lord has used your shepherding initiatives. And so yeah. really wanting to hear from you a little bit about how you guys got into that. Yeah. What was what was the what was the need that you were trying to meet, and particularly bringing women along in, in shepherding? Well, yeah. It, years ago, I read a book that Dan Doriani wrote about women in ministry, and yes. he was providing some warnings to pastoral staff as your church gets bigger and bigger. Um, the hired paid staff just does not any longer have the ability to know care for pastor and shepherd the entire flock mm -hmm. and so that's what the elders were meant to do and so what oak mountain did and i don't know what we started adding women in 2014 but what we did was we moved to a shepherding model okay. um, and i i don't remember exactly when but that was a a lay pastoral care um equipping the saints for ministry and the elders were, were doing it and they were doing a great job, but it came from them. The idea that we can't pastor, shepherd an entire family mm -hmm. without some help. Um, and what uh, and that help meaning we need women to to be present, to ask the questions, to to enter into some places that we're having a hard time entering into. And so uh, it wasn't long that we were in a shepherding model until the elder said, we need women to come alongside. Um, and the same quote, and I'll send it to you, um, Vanessa, and I imagine we've read it before, but in the same quote, uh, Dan Doriani said, don't simply defer to um, elders' wives. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's a good start, but elders' wives aren't taking, they're, they're not examined. They're not um, taking all the oaths that uh, the elders are. Um, and 
honestly, not all elders are married. Uh, you, look at, right. you look at Paul and you look at Jesus and they're, they certainly weren't disqualified from ministry. And so, and also not all elders' wives want to be involved in this sort of ministry. And so we, we saw, um, and so our, our uh, shepherds uh, opened it up maybe in 2014 and we've slowly but surely added um, women who have a pastoral shepherding heart um, that desire to be involved in the lives of families in our church and particularly with with women. We've got singles, we've got marrieds, we've got uh, we've got widows, we've got all sorts of people um, that are on our women shepherding team. Um, so it came out of a need. When we started to do shepherding, our elders and now we you know shepherds realized we they, they couldn't do it alone. So Sue, how did you get? What was your involvement then? Were you on staff when that occurred? Did you come on staff after that? So I didn't come to Oak Mountain until 2016. And truth be told, and I've said this before, I was, I've was i been a big part in training, recruiting, um, and expanding the role of the Women's Shepherding Team since I arrived. But they started in 2014. I didn't get here till 2016. Um, and so I have also said that if... It is difficult. It would have been difficult for me to get here and say, okay, we need to do women shepherding. That was already part of the DNA of Oak Mountain. I was brought here as, it's funny that you said that, Vanessa, my coaching, my coaching experience, you said that about me coaching people up and cheering people on. Yeah. My coaching experience, both recruiting and empowering, equipping and encouraging women um, is a big part in uh, expanding the role of this team. This team, when I first got here, we probably had 14 women in a congregation of 2,800. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about about 800 women. And if 14 women are called to, to shepherd 800, it was in essence, uh, squeaky wheel gets the oil. Acute needs would rise to the surface. Right. It wasn't, there wasn't proactive shepherding. It was more reactive shepherding and just based on the numbers. And so what we've been able to do since I arrived is expand the team train the team, um, equip the saints for the work of ministry, right? Mm, fancy that. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. What what difference have you seen that type of partnership with women and elders in shepherding yeah. the women at Oak Mountain Press? How, how has that changed the chemistry the, the of your church? Yeah, I would... I. I you, you, you said, how's it changed the chemistry? I can just tell you about what's happened since I arrived in 2016. Sure. And I'll tell you that um, women have a, um, a perspective and a voice that's really valued here. And I'm not saying it's not valued other places. I don't know. But I know here when we're talking about either acute care or proactive care or going after um, people who aren't coming to church for one reason or another, men and women working together. Sometimes they are a married couple. You know, sometimes we have an elder who's married to a woman shepherd and sometimes it's not. Just yesterday I was talking to one of my women shepherds who knows a woman fairly well and she, this woman has kind of fallen off the radar during COVID and that's happened to a lot of our people. We want to make sure that we, they know that we care. And so I spoke to this woman who's fallen off the radar. I I spoke to her shepherd and he actually had a fantastic conversation with her. And so the shepherd had an opportunity 
to connect with this woman in a way that her woman shepherd hadn't. And so uh, this woman shepherd reached out to me. She said, hey, I haven't heard from this woman. I said, well, you're not going to believe this. I just talked to your shepherd. And so they're talking together, not necessarily comparing notes, but saying, how can we care for this family? How can we shepherd her together um, and, and help them get back to to church when they're ready and experience the means of grace. Um, we, we want people involved in the body. And as a church gets bigger and bigger, we see that, that people prefer a big church sometimes so that they can be a bit anonymous. Mm-hmm. And this, this shepherding model is our effort to keep that from happening. But men and women having frank, regular, normal conversations about how the Holy Spirit is moving and working in the lives of the church members. It is, it's, it's, it's just the body working together, really. The fact that it's men and women just, it seems to be the way that the Lord designed it. Yeah. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's encouraging to me to hear just even how it began. Like you said, you didn't come in and have to fight for a particular thing you came in because you were invited and that that was already initiated by the elders and that they've championed that back that got on board with that yeah. i just think how encouraging that is as yeah. women um to have men leading that way and inviting those women in to do alongside of them ministry yeah. alongside of them so what does like a day in the life of sue harris look like then what is what does when i get like? to work or before uh either one both yeah let's get a little basketball and then yeah well i de- yeah um uh, we don't have to talk about my personal life i do exercise <laughs> i do spend time with the lord i i am single never married no children um and this might be another podcast i'd love to chat about um, actually have sensed for a long time a calling to singleness, which mm. uh, seems like something people don't talk about a lot. So mm. my house is quiet and lovely. and yeah. uh, <laughs> Unless you got noisy friends visiting. Uh, that's right. It's, it's true. Why do you think I throw parties all the time? Because I don't, the, the quiet drives me crazy. Um, but yeah, I would say uh, as it relates to work, um, I am a women's ministry director, um, a lot like Vanessa uh, have a desire that it, we're in a big church. And so we try to cast wide nets um, for people that, like I mentioned just a little while ago, that maybe might prefer to be anonymous in our church, maybe just want to come to Sunday. We try to cast a wide net offering, um, just putting out content, either electronically or whatever, hoping that people will, um, their desire for uh, the Lord and community and fellowship would grow and offering Bible studies. And we also offer discipleship groups. And um, the wide net also is shepherding. Every woman who's a member in our church, every woman and man, but every woman and member in our church has both a shepherd and a woman shepherd. That is so awesome. It, it really is. And so we we tell people on the day that they join that they're going to be pursued and we're not trying to get into their business, but we're trying to get into their business a little bit as it relates to the Holy Spirit's work in their life. And so we have all sorts of, of things um, that we offer to women to, to grow in spiritual formation. Um, a large part of my day is pouring into leaders, um, caring for them. Um, but I also, I, I teach, uh, we call them adult discipleship classes, but I teach Sunday school, Bible studies, um, all of my Bible studies, all the Bible studies here out of women's ministry are taught by women shepherds because they've been, I can tell you about the training a little bit, but they have been um, 
they've been examined. They're orthodox, faithful. Now they come in all shapes and sizes. And I don't mean that physically. I mean, different giftedness, different, Mm -hmm. different um, ways, different spiritual gifts, different Enneagram numbers, different everything. And so we are pouring into our church body through a wide array of women shepherds, but they are all, they're orthodox. Mm -hmm. Um, They love the Lord and they love people. And that is, um, so I pour into leaders, but you know, we, we've all got um, pastoral care things going on and trying to, trying to big, bring people into events and that sort of thing. So that's what my day looks like. And today it looks like hopping on this podcast with you fine people. I love it. And I'm so glad that you took time to do that. Now, one of my big takeaways from when we were there at Oak Mountain Prez and we were experiencing your care meetings, one of the things that was so fascinating was your church's commitment to relational authenticity. And that wasn't just to the pew and for the pew. That was also one of the phrases I heard over and over again was that you were big on shepherding the shepherd's heart. Right. Talk to me a little bit about that because we're talking about um, bringing women shepherds on board and we're talking about um, doing that here in the near future. How does that look to shepherd the shepherd's heart? Why is that so important? So what you experienced was our monthly meeting is our shepherding leadership meeting. And uh, we break up into smaller, we call them resource commissions. I don't know okay. what you're going to call them. Okay. But, um, and what it looks like is um, a staff member, um, often a pastor, is uh, seated in that room with um, our shepherds, our under shepherds and our women shepherds that are serving that commission. And we go around the room. And we give what's called the, a state of our heart. And basically that says, okay, how are you coming in? How are you coming into this meeting right now? And we, we choose a feeling word. Now, all we're finding out is what is the dashboard on your heart saying right now? Um, so for example, I've come in today uh, a little exhausted, but pretty empowered. And I could tell you how I'm exhausted, what, what, what has happened in, in uh, my life over the last seven days, but empowered and really encouraged about what you guys are doing, talking to you and coming to visit y'all next week. Yeah. And so what that reveals is, is what's going on inside of my heart. I'm empowered because I love equipping the saints for the ministry. I love the idea that you're going to be gathering up a team that's going to be ministering hands and feet in, in your church. And so you can kind of see, oh, so empowering and impacting matters to Sue, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about those feeling words, we get behind all of that. And in our in our resource past, in our uh, resource commissions meeting, in our Monday staff meetings, when I meet with women shepherds, even a big group, as as long as the group is small enough, we go around the room, and we talk about how we're coming in, and we listen to somebody's heart, we give them space to process. Um, and sometimes that's the meeting almost gets hijacked a little bit by what is going on in somebody's heart. And sometimes it needs to, right? Sometimes somebody's coming in and they're not ready for the administrative details. Right. They need to process their heart. So that DNA has been weaved inside of us. It so much so Vanessa that uh, and Amber sometimes I I get into a meeting and I, I had a meeting in the morning with my pastor and then I have another meeting in the afternoon and we do another state of the heart. I'm like, can I use the one from before? Like I get tired <laughs> of always identifying what's going on in my heart. I, I'm not well connected to my emotions. I can tell you how I'm feeling, but I don't know where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And that's important for us to be able to care for others, to sort of see um, 
what, what these desire, where these desires are coming from and whether I'm believing the truth about the Lord and, and the gospel and how it impacts my heart or whether I'm believing, um, I, for lack of better term, terminology, lies mm-hmm. about myself or that the evil one is telling. And so it's kind of a reset. Mm-hmm. Um, and our women shepherds and our shepherds, when they meet with their people, we, we don't really call them sheep. I don't really know when they pe- meet with people or women on their list. Mm-hmm. They ask that sort of question. You know, what? Right. how are you coming in? And um, it is valuable. Mm. The two things that I just see immediately valuable about that is one, it helps to guard against ministry people becoming machines mm-hmm. and being disconnected from their own emotions and disconnected from the people that they're serving. But also, man, that changes the chemistry of a church in very real ways when the people who are leading Mm -hmm. are leading with that type of authenticity that, yeah, I've got feelings and things that are going on with me as well. That is not just my job and I'm not just an an instrument who is who is serving you, but I am a whole person with real feelings, real uh, challenges, with real struggles and so it creates a, a, a safer place to be broken for other people. And so I think that's what I love about that model. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. And what it makes me wonder is, is who did that in your life? You know, for like, where did you learn that? Is there someone that was in your life that impacted you that way? That Yeah, I'll say um, I, I was uh, I was discipled fairly well throughout um, my, uh, my growing years in Christ, but, um, I had one pastor and his wife, Alan and Kim Foster. Um, he's now a church planner at mission, uh, mission of North America, but there was a real authenticity when I was at that church. This is when I lived in Buford and uh, Buford, Georgia. And when I worked at mission of the world, um, really it, you know, I, I almost get tired of the phrase. It's okay to not be okay because Mm -hmm. no, Nobody wants me to be not okay. I mean, I appreciate you saying that, but people want me to be okay. But that <laughs> the idea that um, that I don't need to perform right here and right now. So it began there. Um, but being almost an everyday part of ministry, not only how I'm talking to the Lord, um, but how I I recognize when somebody comes into my office, I need to see where they're coming from. Um, if, if I'm struggling to understand what's happening in my heart and in my mind and how that affects everything that's going on as it relates to ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm certain that they are too. So it is something that's kind of mandatory here at Oak Mountain. Um, and it's, it's grown in, um, it, it, it's grown in me and we're, we're not in a place where we're just, you know, all doing terribly and we're, you know, vulnerable and we're not, but we are, we're, we're, we're sharing those things. And then we're turning our gaze to the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're we are practicing the means of grace in, in that, but the, grace doesn't really matter as much when we're not desperate um, for it. And so it moves us all to a place of vulnerability, desperation, and it kind of levels out the playing field a little bit. Um, and so it's a real sweetness um, to, to be here and to expand that view that, um, and we do it in shepherding. So it's beautiful. Mm, that is beautiful. What would you say to um, our church, our women in particular, we've got some who will come alongside and who will operate in that space of being a woman shepherd. Then we have some who will just be, well, all who will be shepherded. 
Um, And it will be a process. It will be a learning process. It will be transitional. It will be us learning and us succeeding and failing in doing so. How would you encourage us um, as a church in this new infancy of um, becoming women shepherds and coming alongside our elders in this way? Yeah, well, I I know for me um, here at Oak Mountain, uh, I would be... uh, in real bad shape if I didn't have the women shepherding team, their voices and their impact. I do remember when I was trying to recruit a team and I'm, I, I still get it. I get women saying, look, I'm, I'm doing what you're saying. As you're describing shepherding, I'm doing that. But I don't want, I don't want the title. I don't want to go through the assessment. I don't want to be commissioned up in front of the church. I, I just, I just don't want that. I just want to do do ministry kind of uh, under the radar or or whatever, and I understand that. And I think anybody, sure. I think anybody that says, "Look, ooh, pick me, pick me, I'm going to be awesome at this." Obviously, <laughs> we don't want that, that either, right? But um, we need all the voices. I think sometimes yeah. when I'm teaching a study, uh, I will, you know, you've got the the quick processors and the verbal processors that love to answer the questions. But it's the, the, the people that might be a little bit more um, deliberate in their processing that really have an impact. And so what I would say is um, this is an important role, and it's not just um, for the, the, the people that we typically think um, are, are the ones who should be chosen. We need a lot of voices speaking into this process. Um, so I would say that... Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm telling you, Vanessa, or or maybe even your women, don't be afraid of this. Be sober to it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a real thing. Like uh, we get involved in, in real life situations, but it's a blessing. And if you're for us, what I tell women, if they're they're a little bit afraid to to step into this role, I encourage them that they're being asked to fulfill this role by our elders. Our elders are saying, we need you. We need you to shepherd this flock more fully and more completely. And just pray about whether God might use you in this role. Um, That's what I would say. Amen. Thank you, Sue, for joining us. And on your note of encouragement, ladies, we hope you'll join us again next week. You can take us with you for a pickup game of basketball in honor of Sue or do something a little less contact-like, like like bake pumpkin bread. Uh, We hope you'll join us again. We'll be joined by Kelly Tabb and Sandy Lanclose. We'd love for you to listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again. A season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain.